Morning Show. Uh, last year in 2022, residents of uh, the Viking Terrace Mobile Home Park uh, was... Uh, we're surprised when all of a sudden it was announced they have new owners and the new owners had some new policies and not all the residents were very happy really with that at all. KYMN's uh, Kate Kelly, I should say Kate Kelly joined KYMN as an investigative <laughs> journalist uh, on uh, reporting on that uh, particular issue. And Kate is joining us right now. She is uh, still working on that, but you've got uh, two parts of it done yet. First of all, good morning, Kate. It was good talking good to you morning. again. Good morning, Jeff. You know, we haven't seen you too much since, uh, oh, kind of late last summer or, or in the uh, fall, but that doesn't mean you haven't been, <laughs> you haven't been working. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, you've been uh, actually very busy. Why don't we, uh, I tell you what, for our listeners out there, we'll just kind of start at the beginning, refresh their memory on uh, the events that happened last year that trigger, triggered your investigation and, and uh, kind of walk us through what you've done so far. Absolutely. So in April of this past year, um, this new company called Lakeshore Management bought a Viking Terrace for $5 million from um, Debbie and Fran Hahn. And um, pretty quickly, uh, residents started receiving uh, new leases that were, the, the lease itself was 12 pages, but it had an additional 35 pages double-sided of super strict rules attached to the lease. And it, this was really scary because um, a lot of the rules were very different from the rules that residents had agreed to when they originally moved into the park. Um, it turns out it is illegal in Minnesota for an owner of a mobile home park to change rules uh, substantially for um, residents who have already signed a lease and already agreed to a certain set of rules. They can change rules for new residents, but not rules for old residents. So um, after the residents started organizing, um, a local um, nonprofit leader and organizer, Marval DeCantos, got involved. Um, also retired lawyer, Gina Washburn. Um, they helped the residents um organize a resident association and get in touch with the attorney general's office, Keith Ellison's office. Um, and Keith Ellison, uh, his office got Lakeshore to rescind uh, the rules and the leases because they did uh, likely violate Minnesota law. Um, and the resident association is established now. Um, they meet regularly. Um, they're coming up with ways to raise money and support their community. But the issues are not over yet because Lakeshore is known for raising rent astronomically twice a year. In Minnesota, they're legally allowed to raise rent twice a year, and there's no cap on how much they can raise it. So when they bought Viking Terrace, they raised rent 15% or $65. Um, rent in Viking Terrace for the lot, not for the homes, but just for the land the home sits on, right now stands at about $485. But at other parks like Shore owns in Minnesota, that's up to $800. So this is a really big chunk of change for families who already have tight budgets, who often work multiple jobs or um, are retirees on fixed incomes. And I've been trying to dig into this story a little bit more, both in Viking Terrace, but also at some of the other parks in Minnesota and around the country. Yeah, you know, that brings us to a, a, a good uh, a good spot in that uh, this goes well beyond Viking Terrace, but we're feeling it and we're seeing the direct impact right here. 
but with you and Mar and uh, every uh, the all the residents or the residents who are getting involved with this and some mm-hmm. others, including the folks from Emmaus, a, a church which is just nearby, um, they're able to get on top of this on a lot earlier uh, timeline than a lot of the other uh, manufactured home parks around the state were able to do. And I think you've uh, that. Uh, that that will bode well for the future of Viking terrorists, or at least, you know, get them out in front. I really hope so. Um, that's what episode two of the podcast uh, focuses on. The podcast is called Not Mobile, and you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and then it's going to be playing on KYMN this week, um, and it's on the KYMN website. Um, episode two, I tried to focus on some of the stories within the city of Northfield, outside of Viking Terrace. So I interviewed nonprofit leaders, city officials, uh, lawyers, um, activists, just everybody, uh, people who um, are involved in the church community, people at Emmaus, um, people who have kind of been primed already to be involved in their community and try to help, um, you know, Northfielders in need. Um, So there's this, like, network of support that exists in Northfield that doesn't necessarily exist in other communities where mobile home park residents are facing these same issues. So it doesn't mean that Viking Terrace is out of the woods. Like I said, this lot rent issue is really serious and is not resolved. Um, I know residents are considering, uh, they're having a lot of conversations with the city about whether there's anything the city can do to help with that. Um, But you're totally right. I mean, the speed with which the Resident Association formed three weeks, like that's like unheard of. (laughs) And the Resident Association is still active and still, um, you know, intact, you know, these months later. So it's a really impressive story of what's going on in Northfield. Yeah, you mentioned you've talked to a number of people, uh, not only in Northfield, but around the uh, state. And uh, some of those people are in the the, the same situation. Where, mm-hmm. where are some of those locales? And have you talked with, uh, with uh, citizens, with residents there, former residents? Has it forced uh, some of these actions, forced like kind of a mass exodus from uh, some of the... Uh, uh, some of the manufactured homes, uh, uh, parks around the uh, state? So Lakeshore Management owns six parks in Minnesota. Um, they own a park in Lakeville, in Burnsville, Blaine, um, Vadness Heights, I think in St. Paul, um, Monticello, Northfield. I don't think I'm missing any. <laughs> um, and I've contacted and been in contact with residents at most of those parks. Um And I actually visited uh, two of the parks with George Zuccolotto earlier this summer and interviewed residents in person. Um, Yeah, residents are facing super similar situations, except that Lake Shore had bought their parks earlier than Viking Terrace. And the tricky situation is that Lake Shore's MO is to send out these strict new leases only in English. Doesn't matter, you know, if previous owners of the park used to translate things for residents. They send out these documents only in English, and they make the letters sound like the residents have to sign the leases. And that's just not true in Minnesota. In Minnesota, once um, a mobile home park resident signs a lease, they never have to sign a new one. They never have to agree to new rules. Um, But Lakeshore has sort of convinced people that they do need to sign them, and then once they do, then they have signed this legal document, and they're in a pretty tough spot. Um, People are facing issues like, like I said, being on a fixed income. We met um, a retired gentleman who has 
um, a lot of health problems uh, with his back. He's, um, you know, disabled, and he's stuck in his home in Lakeville. He needs to move, but he can't. He and his wife um, get about $1,000 from the government um, from Social Security, and they have to pay 800 of that up front for their rent every month. They have already paid off their home, um, so they own their home and they're not making payments on it, but their home is old, um, and mobile homes, even when they're new, are not actually built to survive multiple moves after you know they're originally installed in a park. So there's a lot of people like him who have invested in their home. They paid for their own ramp to be built so that they can access their home. Um, and these kinds of investments, you know, were uh, improved their living situation as long as they can afford to live there. But once they can't afford to live there, where else are they going to go? Where are they going to find, you know, someplace that's cheaper and with the same amount of, um, you know, space that they already have. So there's a lot of people who really want to leave Lakeshore's parks and they just don't know where else they can actually afford. And let's talk about the legal aspect of that. Uh, again, you'd mentioned uh, some of the practices uh, do not align with Minnesota laws, and Attorney General uh, Keith Ellison has been involved with that. Uh, from a standpoint of criminal or civil uh, you know, litigation or prosecution or anything, has that advanced any further here in Minnesota or really any other state that you might uh, know of? Uh, and and are, are the residents, the citizens, uh, I, my guess would be many of them, you know, can't afford to go out and get a lawyer and, and work all this, all the legal stuff out. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like from a legal standpoint, uh, there's progress being made? Well, it's tricky because, you know, these companies like Lakeshore, Lakeshore is not alone by any means. They are multi-state companies. They operate in one state, uh, in this case, Florida, and then they own properties all across the country. And they do not publicize uh, the their properties that they own. You have to do a lot of digging in order to compile a list. So I've compiled a list of more than 100 properties that they own. Um all, of the, all that is to say every law or every state that they operate in has different laws and residents face similar but slightly distinct issues in each state. Um, attorneys general um, are you know, focused on their own state and only rarely um, have the capacity or the evidence or you know, whatever to team up and uh, go after these multi-state actors. So you know, legal, legally, it's a very piecemeal situation. And residents themselves have sued Lakeshore a lot. I've gone through a lot of county court records across the country. Normally what happens is uh, Lakeshore just settles and just gives them some money to, you know, stop bothering them. (laughs) Um, But things rarely actually like reach a trial. Um, I know with the case of uh, Viking Terrace and Keith Ellison, Keith Ellison, uh, I did an interview with him, a couple interviews actually with him. And, um, with Assistant Attorney General Catherine Kelly, who was assigned to the um, the Lakeshore case. And they said that their office is very focused on compliance more so than litigation, right? Because compliance is cheaper. Compliance gets you what you want. It makes sure that people are following the law. And so their attitude is, if we can get uh, Lakeshore to, you know, rescind the illegal leases, um, rescind the illegal rules, then, and, you know, keep them in compliance with the law. That's kind of a win-win for everyone. Um, they also only operate on a complaint-based 
system. So they try to reach out to communities to, you know, say that they're there, say what, you know, what they can help with, but they don't like, they're, they're not like a regulatory system in the sense that they're going out and checking all of these companies, checking landlords to see what they're doing. They wait for residents to complain to them. And so that's why only two of the parks um, have seen results from the Attorney General Office, uh, the ter- Attorney General's Office uh, intervention. There's four other parks that, you know, are still operating under presumably the same illegal leases and rules because residents there um, haven't organized or didn't know that they could organize or didn't know that they could, you know, complain to the attorney general. Um, There's a lot of moving parts when it comes to the, the legal side of things. We're talking once again with Kate Kelly, who is an investigative journalist who is working on the uh, Viking Terrace ownership uh, story with us. Uh, uh, Kate, let's let's talk about, well, first of all, we're going to have Saturday at 11 o'clock, we're going to have the first in that series. Then Sunday at 11, we're going to have the second part of that series. So the second one's in, in the books. You're working on the third part three of it uh, now. We'll get to that in just a moment. But you've been doing all this while uh, also applying for journalism school. And I understand you have uh, you got some good news on that front. <laughs> yes. I, um, I've been applying to investigative and um, sort of audio journalism programs um, at a lot of different places because I want to keep my options open. Um, so I've got accepted to a couple of programs. Um, I'm really excited about the, uh, the Northwestern program, um, that I got, uh, got accepted to a few weeks ago. Um, there's incredible programs across the country and I'm waiting on a couple of more answers. And I understand that, uh, Northwestern, once again, that you've been accepted, but you have, uh, you'll still have choices coming in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, under, I understand that's uh, a pretty prestigious one, and uh, there are not a whole lot of uh, acceptance letters sent out by Northwestern on this particular program. Yes, yes. It's a, um, a really small investigative team um, for undergrad students, for grad students, roughly, that um, spend part of their time in Chicago, part of their time in D.C., uh, working with uh, Debbie Sunsipper, who's a Washington Post journalist. So it's a pretty incredible program um, that I'm super lucky to have been accepted to. Um, and I don't know exactly where I'm going to go next year, but um, but I'm getting excited. Now, the school would start on a regular school year, right? Uh, you'd start up in uh, September? That one actually starts in June. Um, okay. So most of them start in September, but some of them start in the summer. They, you know, squeeze out, you know, every little bit of... To, of the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And part three, uh, let's talk about that just briefly. Give us kind of a preview of some of the aspects you'll be looking at in part three. So in that one, I'm going to be digging into some of the individual resident stories I've heard at the other parks in Minnesota. So, um, for example, there's one woman who actually came down to Viking Terrace and, um, and spoke with um, attorney or Assistant Attorney General Catherine Kelly at the event there, um, she was part of the effort to create a resident association in the Monticello Park and faced um, what seems like backlash from the company, um, faced eviction twice, eventually was evicted for having, quote, personal property and trash in her yard, which was, um, you know, giant planters that were frozen to the ground that she couldn't remove because they were frozen. It was March. Um and there was no trash in her yard. I got the records from the Minnesota Department of Health, 
they've inspected her park yearly. Her, her home was never listed. They inspected her park one month before she was evicted. Her home was never listed. There's just a lot of sketchy stuff going on. And she has faced huge financial and personal consequences from how Lakeshore has treated her um, throughout this whole process. So there's going to be different stories like hers, people who have suffered a lot in Lakeshore's parks. Um, a lot of the stories, you know, I can't tell you for sure whose responsibility it was in this particular moment at this person's house, you know, when their electricity wasn't working, when the water was turned off, right? A lot of these stories, I can't 100% say whose responsibility it was, but I feel like they show a pattern of people suffering and not receiving the support that they deserve as Minnesota citizens, as residents of a community, as people who have, you know, entered into, you know, what you would hope is sort of a, a contract of, you know, payment and support, right? Um, this relationship between the landlord and the tenant. So that's kind of what uh, episode three is going to be about. You know, I know that you uh, last summer had tried multiple times uh, to contact uh, Lakeshore for comment, multiple people at Lakeshore. Have you had any success on that front yet? I have not. I have not. I need to do another round of reaching out. But yes, I've tried uh, this year to reach out and nothing. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> All right. Well, we're looking forward to listening to the uh, second part. And uh, once again, for our listeners out there, uh, 11 o'clock Saturday with uh, part one, 11 o'clock Sunday with part two. And uh, Kate, maybe you can go over uh, once again. Uh, this can also be podcast at any time and it's available right now, correct? Absolutely. You can find it on Spotify or pod- Apple Podcasts by searching Not Mobile. Um, so N O T and then space M-O-B-I-L-E. And you can also find it on the KYMN website. Um, And if you uh, look on our Facebook page, I think you can also find a link. All right. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for uh, all the hard work uh, that you have done on this. Uh, Best of luck in journalism school. Hopefully we'll talk to you again before uh, before you go off to school. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jeff. All right. Thanks. That's Kate Kelly. Once again, uh, not mobile. It'll be heard this weekend here on KYMN Radio, 11 o'clock Saturday and 11 o'clock